Hey, it's Paulette again, and I'm honored to bring you another episode here on the Thriving in Chaos Project, now in its fourth season. I bring you resilient survivors, key resources, and experts in their fields to lighten the load and shine a light on the path forward from confusion to conclusion through all things divorce and transformation. So let's get started. I'm hosting a retreat in Belize. Some of you may know, but I used to live there. And Belize is a melting pot of culture that carries over into the food, the music, and the fun. It is the best of both vibes from jungles to ground you and beaches to heal and soothe. I lived there for many years and go back and forth between there and Atlanta because I can't get enough. My co-host, Tiara, visited me and didn't want to leave either. No one does. This is paradise, folks. My co-host here and I chatted about the perfect all-inclusive location for you ladies that are going through a pivot in your life and need to reset, renew, and rebuild, and we nailed it. We kick off with a three-day adventure in the luxurious eco-resort Kapal Tree in the southern Belize jungle, followed by three luxurious days on Thatch K Island, a private island over water oceanfront oasis in the turquoise Caribbean along the Belize Barrier Reef. Whether you're going through or just coming out of a divorce, especially with a narcissist, a career change, or you just want to get back to the parts of you that you haven't seen in a while, we are talking to you. Make note, May 4th to the 10th, 2024, and start packing. Space is very limited on the private island and in the jungle. Be sure to act now. We have a passion for leading truly transformational healing events from heart-opening, accessible guided meditations to connection-based life-changing tools and practices. We curate each moment with care and compassion to ensure every lady is taken care of from the initial registration to the final namaste. It's better in Belize. Welcome back to the Thriving in Chaos Project with Paulette Rigo, your host. I'm going to continue this series on the biggest mistakes that I see couples make and individuals make when they are approaching the decision and process of divorce. As a credentialed mediator and certified divorce coach, I work with couples in mediation to help them get through the process of divorce amicably and allow them both to come to a resolution so that they're able to avoid litigation. When I work with an individual client, it's predominantly because they are litigating. And when you're litigating, emotions run high. Emotions run high at all phases of divorce, but particularly if you are litigating. Number five we're going to jump into is downplaying or accepting the seven different types of abuse. Now, when you use that word abuse, it can be a bit of a touch point. So I use it 
to describe the mindset or the action that is normally labeled to certain behaviors, but that isn't to say that um, the abuse comes in, oh, gradients or, you know, one is worse than the other and this one is okay, but that one's not okay. Anytime an individual feels as if they're being controlled or manipulated or harmed, and it is uh, not that it's ever okay for it to happen once, but you're starting to see really that there is a pattern. This wasn't an error or a mistake, but it's a conscious, deliberate behavior that occurs over and over again. Number five mistake would be to downplay or accept the seven different types of abuse. Now, I'm going to just list what they are and kind of go through them so that you have an idea of what those different types of abuse can be and why relationships that are dysfunctional or painful can include some or in many cases when it becomes a long-term relationship and it's really unhealthy, perhaps even all of them. Now, physical abuse and sexual abuse leave behind bruises and scratches and broken bones. And the uh, evidence is a little bit easier to display or keep track of. So physical abuse would be anything such as pushing, shoving, any sort of physical touch that is not kind, compassionate, and not roughhouse. You know, I mean, some couples maybe have a bit of a a borderline there where, um, well, that's just the way we are. But And that's okay if both parties truly feel that that is, in fact, the case. But I caution you, if one of the parties feels like they're not on the same playing field, it isn't a level playing field, and they may not complain. They may not call it out. They may just let it slide because it's a pattern and something that either they grew up with, they think is the norm, and is, well, just the way it is. So if it's a physical altercation that is meant to be roughhouse or play and the other uh, receiving party does not perceive it that way, I then caution uh, the receiver to look for patterns and document it. You know, is this something that happens regularly, dare I say daily or weekly perhaps even monthly, annually, and you're able to see that, you know, they just had a little too much to drink or every time they hang out with their pals or buddies or family, you know, there's a little bit of aggression, uh, shoving, pushing, door slamming, that kind of thing. Uh, Or is this a once, I can't believe that happened and it never happens again. So physical abuse can be Uh, of all different types. Yes, it might include uh, hair pulling and bruises and pushing and shoving and even closed fist or open fist uh, uh, 
contact, right? But now we're going to go into the second type of it when it really starts to become sexual. Now, that doesn't necessarily have to be full on what we all think of as sexual um, abuse or uh, having somebody really attack you in a rape. Uh, it can be any form of inappropriate touching that is not well received. Uh, so we all know the whole Me Too movement has become quite uh, in the news in the last, so we say, a few years. Uh, in a marriage, in a relationship, when sexual uh, motives and sexual advances is not receptive of both parties and it's not consensual and it is uh, an act that is repeated um, and there's no room for therapy or discussion as there should be even if it occurs once uh, roughhousing and uh, that includes sexual activity that is not received by the receiver in a positive way uh, because they feel manipulated, pressured, or simply just downright attacked would absolutely fall into that category of sexual abuse. Now, if you have received any of this type of behavior, you've got to document it. Call 911, take photographs, have uh, law enforcement come and make sure that you have a witness to where you were, what time it happened, what was said, what happened, and any evidence that you have, photographs, perhaps a video of the room and if there's been any torn uh, clothing or sheets or broken furniture or, you know, any cuts or bruises in the skin. Make sure you document that and have a law enforcement officer there to secure your safety and physical uh, body is uh, secure and intact before you uh, see this person again if uh, you're still in uh, sharing a domicile or household, a marital home with them. That is really important. Now, we... We know that those are the two most common forms or types of what we call abuse. Now, the other five are a little bit more subtle. So the next one would be financial, mental, emotional, psychological, and spiritual abuse, which can also linger deep into the recesses of the mind, the body, and the soul and take years to even rise to a level of awareness or consciousness. Now, I have met several people that have had physical and sexual abuse, and the same thing has happened to them where there's a trauma response and they suppress it and they don't talk about it or share it or get the help that they need. That is a serious problem. That is typically not downplayed, but it is normally overlooked from a place of it was a mistake, it will never happen again, out of embarrassment and coercion and fear. 
The other five types of abuse tend to be a little more covert and harder to document. So let's start with financial abuse. A financial abuse habit would be when a person is not allowed to have their own independent source of income or own independent source of paying for the daily necessities of life, such as food or clothing or gas or anything they need to be able to survive because one party of the marriage controls all of the finances. One party is subservient and controlled by the other spouse. So they don't have a credit card, a checking account, a savings account, even access to cash, an ATM card. There's just no way for them to really pay for the necessities of walking around money. Now, I'm not talking about a large amount of money, but that kind of daily money where somebody feels they have a bit of security because they have $20 in their pocket or $100 in their wallet or access to at least pay for the necessities of the day or the week. They really are controlled or they're put on a fixed limited budget. So perhaps on the first of a month, they're given or allotted a certain amount of money. And on the 15th of the month, they're given or allotted another uh, certain amount of money. Sometimes it's weekly, bi-monthly or monthly. And if they spend all that money because of expenses, children, they are criticized, made fun of, ridiculed, and controlled to such a way that the person loses loses a lot of self-esteem and confidence and their ability to either budget uh, or have some independence that they need to get through the day. There also can be a deeper sense of financial control where they're not allowed to look at or review the tax returns or the uh, bank statements. They're not allowed to understand what assets there are. Is there a 401k plan? Are there investments, stocks, bonds, annuities, life insurance? How do they pay for things? Is there health insurance? If there is, is it uh, accessible to them? Do they have uh, access to a co-payment if they need to take one of the children to a doctor or themselves to a doctor? Or do they have to ask for, you know, a small amount of money? And that feels as if they're really being micromanaged about small purchases, even something as much as grabbing lunch when they're out with the kids or independently. That really weighs heavy on people as feeling financially in the dark, controlled, and they're not able to have any financial independence. And the deeper level would be that they're not allowed to make money or the money that they're made, that they make, is forced to pay for things that really they don't know anything about. So they hand over their paycheck or there's a direct deposit of their paycheck to go into a joint account that is then allocated to pay for things that really they don't know anything about. That can be 
extremely confusing and damaging to that person's feeling of self-worth in a marriage. And if it's out of a marriage, I can imagine that too. We're going to move into more of the three subtle abuses. And they there's a bit of an overlap here. Mental, emotional, and psychological. Mental are the thoughts that we think, where we are thinking uh, something that we are consistently being told. So our identity becomes determined and choreographed and created because of the messages that we are consistently being told. It's a ingrained mental thought that becomes a part of a person's identity. And if they are being criticized by verbal words, it starts to mess with their thoughts they think internally. And ultimately, those mental identifications become a part of their identity. Emotional abuse is more attached to the feelings that a person experiences sadness, anxiety, fear. I could go on for days with a list of them. But there's this consistent emotional degradation of criticism where they feel a sense of a roller coaster of emotions that they're not really in control of their own emotional state of well-being, but someone else is based on where they are. Do they feel safe? Is this a fear of being in crowds or darkness, being alone, being uh, not provided for? They feel a sense of fear uh, and it lingers and lingers deeper into the recesses of their mind and also their body. Those people also tend to be abused and start to take on physical uh, ailments whether that be inflammation, illness, disease, and their body starts to shut down and get sick. The next one is psychological abuse. And psychological abuse goes into a deeper realm where they feel as if they've really just been messed with. And there's a, a, a feeling of confusion, as if everything isn't real. And they have a difficult time answering questions. If someone were to ask them, well, how was your day? Or how are you feeling? Or how are you doing? They really just don't know how to answer that. They're running on a bit of automatic pilot or running on adrenaline. They are afraid to speak up. They're feeling as if their life is not their own not only their body, their money, their thoughts, their emotions are really out of control. And it goes to such a deeper psychological imprint where their psyche is affected. They feel as if their body and their mind are dis disconnected. And there's a, a real feeling of confusion and overwhelm. And lastly, spiritual abuse. Now, spiritual abuse is a bit like training a puppy, where we are attempting to housebreak a new puppy or a, 
and it it comes to us and we love it to pieces and it's so adorable but what is it like to do pee on the rug or you know chew the couch and we as a human are trying to send a message to the young little house pet that no 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 this is behavior that we do and this is behavior that we don't do and we are trying to really break house break the puppy or animal from these uh, habits that are going to do damage to the house so we then say no 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 and we pick them up and take them outside to break them of the habit now a person that is experiencing spiritual abuse feels as if their spirit is being broken they feel criticized to such a level that they almost feel like that little puppy who is being housebroken they feel controlled manipulated and that continual message really lingers deep into their mind and their soul i feel hugely compassionate for anyone that has experienced it any of these forms of abuse but the goal of this lesson here is to number one know what the different types of abuse are and if somebody is attempting to divorce a spouse that is not so kind or transparent and compassionate unconditionally loving and is sharing all of themselves their life their career their finances really it's a partnership marriage is a partnership where both parties come together to work as a team and share their entire life together now that doesn't always happen and when that doesn't happen typically one of these different types of abuse does start to rear its ugly head money words emotions actions and of course the physical body starts to break down when a person feels controlled manipulated and harmed now again this is not a lesson in therapy i am not a psychologist nor a psychiatrist but i certainly know what i see when i work with couples and individuals going through divorce where they're truly not aware that this is unacceptable behavior if you're divorcing and both parties are not being authentic and transparent it's going to be very difficult to divorce amicably uncontested and with grace and dignity so i advise you if you have learned anything from this do not downplay or accept the seven types of abuse until next time keep thriving in the chaos make sure you get the right therapy the right family law attorney and the right professional to help you thrive in the chaos thanks for joining me today if you were inspired by today's episode please share it with a friend or a loved one my hope is you feel empowered to take some action, no matter how big or small. 
action that allows you to step out of the chaos and thrive on your own terms. If this podcast added any value to your day, please review it on iTunes, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Until next time, keep thriving in the chaos.